Our readings today communicate a message of urgency, of immediacy, beginning with the book of the prophet Jonah. It says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, set out for the great city of Nineveh and announce, it, announce to it the message that I will tell you. And then scripture says that Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh immediately, according to the Lord's bidding. Then in our second reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells us the time is running out. The world in its present form is passing away. Again, urgency, immediacy. And how does Jesus begin today's gospel from Mark? Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is the time of fulfillment, meaning now, not tomorrow, right now. And then Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, who are in the middle of fishing, casting their nets, in the middle of their work. And how do they respond? Immediately. Same with James and John. What do they do? Immediately when the Lord calls, they drop their nets, even leaving their father in the boat. Shame, shame, shame. Can you imagine? My dad would be really angry with me if I left him fishing, even if there were other people, if I just ran away. <laughs> Urgency, immediacy, the time to follow the Lord is not tomorrow, but today. Beautiful, of course, but how many of us, when we hear the urgency and the immediacy of Jonah and Peter and Andrew and James and John and St. Paul and this urgent message, and we see how rapidly they drop what they're doing to follow the Lord. How many of us deep down inside say, well, that's great for them, but uh, that's not the story of my life. I have not been urgent at following the Lord. I've had to wrestle with God. I'm stubborn. I'm lazy. Gosh, I'm just, they're so much better than I am. I could never be like them. How many of us feel that way? How many of us, because of that, we've opened a door for the evil one to come in and say, you're right, you can never be an apostle. They're totally different from you, right? You're not capable of making that kind of act of faith. You're going to spend your whole life chasing after them, never realizing what they did. It's one of the struggles. It's a real struggle. It's a real temptation. And it's a real moment where the evil one can fill our hearts with discouragement. So what's the answer to that? Well, the answer is what's not communicated in our readings today. You see, we only get tiny little pieces, but when we put those pieces in context, we see a much different story. We'll start with the book of the prophet Jonah. It's good for us to talk about Jonah. Jonah doesn't come up often in the lectionary, right? And we're all familiar with Jonah's story. We know it is the Pinocchio story, right? Jonah gets swallowed up in the whale the belly of a whale. How did that happen? Let's recap. The first time the Lord comes to Jonah, he says to him the same thing he says in today's piece of Jonah. He says, set out for Nineveh and communicate this message that in 40 days they're going to be overcome. And as soon as Jonah hears that message, Jonah says, yeah, no thanks. Peace out. See you later. And he takes off running. Jonah, it says in the book of the prophet Jonah, scripture tells us, Jonah ran away from the presence of God, 
when he received this mission for the first time. He ran away from the presence of God. Not only did he say no, but he's like, Lord, I'm going to run away from your presence. That's how Jonah ended up on a boat in the middle of the sea, running away from God. But the Lord loved Jonah and refused to let Jonah run away from him. So the Lord came to the boat in a great giant storm. And everybody in the boat was freaking out, trying to figure out why the Lord was doing this. And what did Jonah do? He, like, he hid in the middle of the boat. He went into the interior part of the boat and he took a nap. Right? Finally, everybody figured it out that Jonah was running from God. And so out of frustration, they tossed Jonah over the edge of the boat and into the ocean or into the sea. And that's how he gets swallowed up in the belly of a whale. Scripture tells us that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. The journey to Sheol, the realm of the dead, where the Jews believed people went after they died, was said to be a journey of three days and three nights, meaning that Jonah died. So it's not a story of Jonah surviving in a fish's belly for three days. It's actually a story of Jonah dying while trying to run from the Lord. And in the middle of death, Jonah finally has his conversion. And he realizes the beauty of God's message. And he realizes that the call is for him to go. And so he offers a, a todah, a thanksgiving to God. And that's when the fish spits him out on the shore. And that's where today's first reading comes in. Then the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again, and he finally responds immediately, and he goes. The story's not over. After all these people convert immediately, where Jonah had to run away from God and be swallowed up in a whale and die, these people who didn't need any of those things, they believe and repent immediately. And what does Jonah do in response to that? He becomes angry jealous, upset. And what does he do? He goes off to the shore and he throws himself a pity party and he pouts like a two-year-old. That's the story of Jonah. <laughs> Let's talk about our gospel. We see Simon and Andrew, Peter, Simon also known as Peter, James and John, they immediately leave their nets. They go to follow the Lord but what happens in the rest of Mark's gospel? As we know, there are four gospels. Mark is the shortest, and Mark, of all the gospels, shows no mercy on the apostles. Mark paints the apostles as total buffoons. They are idiots, and he shows how much they are idiots every step of the way. So after this gospel, we have all these passages where Jesus is doing something amazing and the apostles don't have faith. Other people who are not intimately followers of the Lord, they have faith in Jesus, but the apostles, they struggle to have faith. There's moments where Jesus teaches beautiful parables and they get a special explanation of the parable afterwards as, as apostles and they still don't get it. Then it comes to the crucifixion, the time where they can really stand with their master and suffer with him. And what do they do? They take off running, right? 
Peter denies him three times. Peter, who just immediately left everything to follow the Lord, when time comes to be there with the Lord in death, he denies him and he runs away. The following, the discipleship of the apostles is anything but urgent and immediate. So what do we do with this? What do we do with the fact that these readings suggest urgency and immediacy, and yet at the same time, like we wrestle and struggle with God, that we find ourselves buffoons like the apostles? The answer is twofold. First, it is true. The time to follow God is not tomorrow. It's right now. Delaying obedience is disobedience. Delaying obedience is disobedience. God wants us to follow him right now, and there is an urgency and immediacy to the gospel, and we cannot ignore that, and we cannot make silly excuses because we've bought into the lies of the evil one, right? God does not love us because we are good. God loves us because he is good. God chooses us. Not because our life is perfectly ordered. Not because we fell out of the discipleship tree, perfectly formed, perfectly virtuous, ready to go, never going to make a mistake. No. God comes to us in the hot mess of life. We are, if we're honest with ourselves, a hot mess. We wrestle with things, we're stubborn, at times we're lazy, we fail to understand, and that does not prevent God from still choosing us and coming to us. But rather, God loves us and enters into the mess, and he calls us to follow him in the midst of the mess, to surrender the mess of life to him. That's the second, part of the, that's the second side of the coin. The gospel is urgent and immediate, and yes, we do so in a messy manner. You see, God wants our mess, and what happens is we buy into the lie of Satan, and we don't want to give him our mess because we're afraid of presenting anything less than perfect to God, and God doesn't ask for a perfect presentation. He wants us. He doesn't care how broken we are. He doesn't care how messy we are. God can work through the mess. Think for a moment, what would you say is the greatest power of God? What's, his, what's the greatest thing God could ever do? Think about that for a moment. What would you say? You see, some people want to say that God's greatest power is that he can stop bad things from happening. That's what some people say. That God has the power to stop bad things from happening. That that's his greatest power. False. The greatest power of God is not that he can stop bad things from happening. The greatest power of God is that he can take the most messed up, evil things of the world and transform them into the vehicle of that which is humanity's greatest goods. Is that not the message of the cross? Is there anything worse and more evil than killing the God who created us? Of course. Of course not. There's nothing worse in human life than what we did right there. But God is so good and he loves us so much that he can take that and he can transform it into the greatest vehicle of blessing in our life, which is our, our salvation. God's greatest good is not that he prevents bad things from happening. 
but that he transforms bad things into our greatest blessings. And we proclaim that at the Easter Vigil every year with this prayer called the Exalted, where we cry out, or whoever is singing it, cantering it, whether it be the deacon or the priest or a cantor, cries out, O happy fault, O necessary sin of Adam, that brought forth so great a Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Yes, God demands immediacy. No, it's not going to be pretty. But yes, we are called to give the Lord our mess and to trust that with his grace, the mess that we surrender to him can be transformed into a great blessing, not just for us, but the whole church. So we pray today for the grace to embrace the immediacy of the gospel, to believe and to respond that God is calling us today, not tomorrow. And we pray today that through the gift of the Eucharist, we'll receive the grace to reject the lie that because we are not perfectly ordered, we can't follow Jesus. But we pray to be able to offer ourselves broken and messy to Jesus Christ. And we trust that when that is surrendered to God, he will make it fruitful. He will make it a blessing for us, and he will make it a blessing for the entire church.